0: You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. To the sixth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, and uh, I'm gonna have the privilege of doing something that uh, this evening that I uh, originally had not anticipated doing and I am so thrilled that I get the privilege of doing this, and that is dealing with this passage of Scripture in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 16 about fasting. Now, originally, because of our preaching schedule, uh, I was just going to say to you, you know, uh, some months ago I preached a message from the 58th chapter of Isaiah, and in that message I shared 16 promises God makes to the person who's fast. And these are real wonderful promises. And I was just going to refer to that and then go on to the text for the message this coming Sunday morning. But uh, lo and behold tonight, then this is wonderful, I have the privilege of dealing with this passage of Scripture. Now, before we uh, stand together and before we read this passage of Scripture together, let me remind you that this passage is couched among several others, in which the Lord Jesus is saying, now when you do good things, remember God is looking for goodness in the heart, not just proper behavior. Now in the closing uh, portion of chapter 5, that's where Jesus says, now you're trying to keep from doing bad things, but I tell you, God knows it's bad things. Not just when he sees you do it, but when he looks at your heart and sees you conceiving it. And so he said, you know, you've heard it said, for instance, don't commit adultery. He said, i tell you, you look on a woman to lust after you've committed adultery with her in your heart. You've heard it said, "Um, you know, uh, uh, don't make a vow. He said, I'm telling you what God's looking for. He's looking for men of integrity whose yes means yes and no means no. You've heard it said out here that you should um, not murder, but I'm telling you what, you can murder somebody in your heart, he said. And so he's taken the last part of chapter 5 and said, said, look here, bad things you want to avoid, but let me tell you, they have their root in the heart. Now, in chapter 6, he says, here's some good things you want to do, but Christianity is still a heart issue. God's still looking inside your heart. And so he starts out by saying, in the first few verses there of chapter 6, he said, for instance, when you do your alms, he said, don't, you know... Uh, don't go out here and do these to be seen of men. Uh, He said, as a matter of fact, it ought to be pretty secret. He said, it ought to be so secret that for all practical purposes, and it's just sort of a saying, your left hand should not know what your right hand is doing. But he says, your father, who's in secret, sees what you're doing and will reward you openly, or it'll be obvious that he rewards you. And he says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. That's a good thing to do, but don't pray like the hypocrites. And uh, he says, enter into your closet and pray this way. And there we have the model prayer. And then this little, this little passage down here, which we, we almost went by, uh, beginning with verse 16, let's stand together and let's look at it. Moreover, he says, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that you appear not unto men to fast, but unto your Father who is in secret. And your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Father, I pray, trusting, believing that you have not brought us here without purpose, and believing that you will open our eyes to this whole issue of fasting as Christians. Speak to our heart, Lord, through this passage tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Now, the purpose of the message this evening is not to argue the issue or even to defend the practice of fasting. Um, there is so much said about this practice in the Bible. It's amazing that uh, we have allowed the, the aesthetics, you know, these, these mystics, to rob us of a practice which is so scriptural. And so we look, you know, over to India, and we see all these people who are fasting, the, the swamis and the gurus and all these people. Or we look at these people who are, who are uh, sort of flagellists. They beat themselves, and one of the ways they do that, they fast, you know. And, and, or we look at some guy who's going on you know, a fast to keep uh, you know, the railroad in Oklahoma or something like that. I mean, there's always somebody fasting for something. And um, uh, we say, well, you know, that's just a stupid thing and we forget that really when it's done properly and when it's done with understanding, it is a deeply spiritual issue. And there's a lot said about fasting. As a matter of fact, if, if you want a real good reason to even consider fasting, think of this. One day some men came to Jesus and they were criticizing and said, hey, why is it that your disciples don't fast and, and these other people, they fast?" And Jesus said, well, the time to fast is not when the bridegroom is here. The time to fast is when he's gone. What was Jesus saying? I'm the Lord. I'm the bridegroom. The church is the bride. And the time to fast is not while I'm here. The time to fast is when I'm gone. Well, is he, has he ascended to heaven? Is, is he awaiting his return to this earth? Uh, yes. So what time is this? Time for us to fast. It's time for that to be a part of, of our Christian experience. And there are a lot of people who do not understand that. And as I said some time ago, I preached this message on the 16 promises. I mean, God literally makes non-optional promises for people who fast properly. And so this evening, I'd like for us just to take this, this small passage of Scripture beginning with verse 16... And continuing down through verse 18, these three verses, and I would like for you to to look with me at the issue of fasting, all right? The issue of fasting. We already know why Jesus is speaking about fasting. It's not to give us some big lessons in fasting so much as it is to prove his point that just like in giving alms or righteous deeds and just like in praying, even our fasting, well that should be done with a right heart. By the way, if you want a real strong argument for fasting, let me ask you a question. Should Christians do righteous deeds? How many of you agree that Christians should do righteous deeds? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Should Christians pray? How many of you think Christians should pray? Well, of course. All right. Now, in the same passage or same time that he's speaking about doing righteous deeds and praying, it just says, and when you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites. It wasn't even a question of if. It was, now, when you do this, here's what I'm looking for. So, fasting is scriptural, it's biblical, and it is um, it's so positive when it is done scripturally. So, I want to ask you to examine or to look at three things with me. First of all, let's examine from this scripture, let's examine the practice, all right? That's the first thing you may need to write down there. We're going to examine the practice fasting. Now, uh, first of all, let's just look at a simple definition, all right? What is a simple definition of fasting? All right, it means, literally, the word means, literally, to do without. To the Jew of Jesus' day, there was a real clear meaning. When when they used the word fast, the, the, the first thing a Jew thought about was going one day without food or water. One day without food or water. That's what it meant to the Jew. You go one day without food or water. Now, I'm not saying that, that, um, you know, you're supposed to go out and go a thousand days or 40 days or three without food and water or anything like that. But I'm just saying to the Jew, it meant one day without food and water. When they fasted, there was no food, no water for one day. Now, there were other kinds of fast. If they extended that fast, they might go many days without food but drinking fluids which I think is a really, that's a really good, beneficial kind of fast. Um, water, but no food. Or they might go many days giving up something that was particularly pleasurable to them. That was actually a biblical concept of fasting, to go without uh, certain kinds of food, for instance, or certain kinds of enjoyments. And so that, that, that is what a, the, just a simple definition of fast. It means to do without all right, now, while that's the simple definition, let's look at the spiritual dimension, all right? That's a, 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 as we examine the practice, we see the simple definition, but let's look at the spiritual dimension. You see, fasting is not just, a, it's not just a body thing. It's not just a physical thing, although there are many, many books written on the physical benefits of fasting from the secular uh, corner of the world. But you see, God just, you know, he didn't give us the Bible just to tell us a bunch of physical things to do. Everything physical he tells us to do has a spiritual dimension to it. And by the way, doing good things physically is a spiritual... You know, you ought to take care of the temple that God has given us. It's the, our body is the holy of holies of the Holy Spirit. But there is a spiritual dimension. What is the spiritual dimension of fasting? Art right. fasting is the only way I can really make this statement that my spiritual welfare is more important than my, my physical welfare. That's the only way I can really make that statement. Now, I can tell you, I can say, yeah, I believe that, you know, being deeply spiritual and being dedicated to the Lord is more important than eating meals, but, but really the only way I can really say that is to fast, is to do without something. And so fasting for a believer in Christ is your way, it is my way of saying this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but this body is not the most important thing about me or about God. It is not the ultimate concern in this world. As a matter of fact, Jesus later on in the same passage says, man, look. He said, you know, you guys get so worried about the physical. He said, look, consider the lilies. You know, they toil not, they don't spin. I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory, all of his splendor is not even arrayed like one of these lilies, which today is and tomorrow is not. But you see, isn't it true that we live in a world that says to us over and over again, the single most important aspect of living is your physical well-being? Whatever it is out there that can be enjoyed, do, make sure you do not deny yourself that. You owe that to yourself. You owe this experience, whether it's some physical enjoyment or whether it's eating or an expi- whatever it is. But we have a preoccupation with the physical. And so when you fast, here's a spiritual dimension. When you fast, what you're saying is the spiritual issues are far more important than than the physical issues of my life. And you may be saying something like this. You may be saying, I'm facing a spiritual issue which doesn't seem to be coming to a resolution. It may be a a problem in your home or in your pocketbook, in your health. And I've prayed about this and it doesn't seem to be coming to an easy solution. And I realize that I need a real breakthrough in my prayer so I need to give more of myself spiritually. And, and when you fast, now listen to this, you know, runners sometimes talk about a second wind. You know, they run, they hit the wall, they push on through, and they get their second wind, and sometimes they can just run and run and run. Let me tell you what fasting does. Fasting will give you a second wind spiritually. It gives you added Spiritual insight, discernment, momentum. You see, we're fixing to call upon our church family for 40 days of prayer and fasting. We're not saying that everybody fast all 40 of those days. Why would we add fasting with prayer? Because fasting not only is an indication that I believe the physical is not as important as the spiritual, but fasting is the way that I get a spiritual second wind. Uh, it gives me—it is a way of, it is a way of um, appropriating um, more spiritual energy because you're spending more time focusing on the things of the Spirit. And when God looks in your heart, what does he see there? He sees, here's somebody who's serious. Here's somebody who really—this th- is more, more to him than, than food or drink. This is more to him than anything— this, this, this is really a serious issue. And um, I can tell you there are a lot of people. I know people in our church family. Our, our current chairman of G, deacons, when he came to know Christ, he, he got up off of a, a bar stool and went home and told his wife to call the preacher. But what had his wife been doing for several days? She had been fasting. for his spiritual condition. And so, um, uh, when you examine the practice of fasting, there is a, phys- there's a simple definition, but for us, there's a spiritual dimension. Okay? All right, now, besides examining the practice, let, let's see what Jesus says as he explains the procedures. So that's the second thing we want to look at, his explanation. We want to see here, we want to hear Jesus explain The procedures. Now, the two words that I'd like to just suggest to you. First of all, Jesus says you ought to fast specifically. Specifically, I mean there ought to be a time when when you say I'm fasting. You know, you ought not just sort of casually walk around and say. And and I this is something that the Lord really has worked me over about. You know, just sort of having a notion. Well, I think I'll go on a fast, and then about two or three hours later, well maybe I'll go on this fast tomorrow. Well, I'll go on this fast the next day. I'm sure I'm the only person who's ever done this. I can tell by the way y'all are laughing. But, uh, you know, uh, you know it's, it doesn't take much to get me off. You know, I mean, I, I think I'll fast. Somebody bring sweet rolls to church. Well, okay, I'll do this tomorrow. Fried pies, that's it. Oh, boy. You know, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll fast tomorrow. And what Jesus is saying is fasting is not something you do because you have a notion to fast. Fasting ought to be done specifically. Now, here's, here's Jesus' way of saying this. And when you fast. He doesn't say, now if you ever get a notion to fast, he says, now look, when you fast, what's his assumption? You're going to fast. His assumption is you're going to do this. I mean, Jesus was not saying, oh, you guys are really deep spiritually. No, he's just talking to to the average follower of Christ. He says, now look, uh, by the way, fasting. Now when you fast, so fasting should be done specifically. Secondly, he says, fasting should be done secretly. And I have abused this uh, truth myself. I mean, anything that can be abused of the spiritual life, I'm sure I have abused it someplace along the way, and I have abused this one. You know, I haven't, I haven't done like these guys. He says, uh, he says uh, be not as the hypocrites, verse 16, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Um, I say unto you, they have their reward. And what is he saying? He's saying these men have an audience in mind. But is it God? No. No, their their audience is other people. No, thanks. I'm fasting. Pray for me. I'm fasting. Oops, almost disfigured my face there for a minute. <laughs> you know, He's saying here, these hypocrites are people who have somebody else besides themselves and God in mind when they fast. They have an audience out here. You know, how many times I boy, I really admire you. You know, you've really been fasting a long time. Oh, it's nothing. <laughs> Just have to be deep spiritually. Now, now you see, just eating up the human audience. And so Jesus says you ought to do it specifically. You ought to do it, but you ought to do it secretly. He says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Now, um, you know, he put, says, you know, we wouldn't do this today. You know, put on, you know... Uh, Anoint your head and wash your face. Just look normal. I realize that's hard, you know. I've been thinking about that. Some people normally look like they've been fasting. but um, <laughs> What he's saying is go out of your way not to make an issue of the fact that you're fasting. That, he says, verse 18, you appear not unto men to fast. Now, uh, look here. Is Jesus saying if somebody knows that you're fasting, that you're robbed of all the benefit of it? No. If, if you're going to extend it fast, people are going to know that you're fast. People in your home are going to know that you're fast. First three days, if you don't carry breath mints, people in the office are going to know that you're fast. <laughs> That's right. I mean, so <clears throat> he's not saying you're robbed of spiritual joy. If somebody comes up and say, says to you, are you, are you fasting? You know, it's okay to say, well, I've uh, just got something on my heart, you know, and go on. But he's saying here that your fast is a fast unto the Lord. It ought to be, when when they discover it, it ought to be a surprise to them. It ought to be something where he's, you've gotten up and blown the trumpets and said, ah, here comes the fasting one. It ought not to be like that. Because, see, then you're preoccupied with human adulation. And so it ought to be a fast unto the Lord. All right, now, finally, when you do that, what happens to you? Well, you can enjoy the promises. That's the third thing that I'm looking forward to. And, Brother James, if you'll notice the uh, watch here, I'm really working hard to get you out for choir. (laughs) One night they're not going to have it. I'm going to get out in time. (laughs) I'm making up for this. Um, but the third thing you can do, you, you will enjoy the promises. Now, what are the promises that God makes to the person who fasts? Now, as I said, Isaiah 58, for instance, contains 16 promises for people who fast. But now, there, there are a couple of really wonderful promises here that I don't want us to overlook, Okay. First, the first promise that you can enjoy is this, God sees your heart. He says, uh, uh, fast unto the Father who is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. And so God sees. He sees your heart. And so one of the things, that's the main thing here about fasting. And so is that God sees your heart. And he says, I promise you, I do see your heart. I do take note of that. It's not like you can fast properly and be ignored by God. It's not like God misses your fast. It's not like, like uh, you know, you get to the end of your fast and you have to wonder, "Did God, did God know that I was fasting? Yeah, God sees your heart. That's one of the reasons so God pours so many things into the heart of a person who's fasting. God sees your heart, and He starts responding with all these provisions that He has promised. And so God sees your heart. That's a wonderful thing to know that God sees your heart. Okay. But now here is a here's a second, and I think even even more uh, exciting thing for us right now, and that is that God satisfies your hope. God satisfies, he sees your heart, but he also satisfies your hope. He said, your father who's in secret shall reward you openly. And this word openly doesn't mean that God's going to go out here and put you up on a platform and say, this is the man who fasted and I'm fixing to pour all these blessings on him. Just watch what I do for the man who fasts. That word openly means manifestly. In other words, it'll be obvious to you that God is rewarding you. Okay? And so he satisfies your hope. As you're fasting, you're, you, you have a hope. You say, Lord, man, when I'm praying here and fasting, I'm praying for these things. I'm trusting you for these things. I'm praying for deliverance for this person. I'm praying for blessing for this person. I'm praying you pour out your spirit in our church. We're going to be praying that God would manifest himself mightily during our starlight crusade. So what are the promises he tells us about here? I see, and I'll satisfy. And those are promises for people who fast. Your father who's in secret, he said, who sees in secret, will reward you in a manifest or an obvious fashion. It'll be obvious. You know what's exciting to me about this? I know that every day that goes by in our church, somebody's fasting. Because the men of our church have pledged that at least One man in our church every day of this year is fasting and praying for me, for our church. And so I'm really excited because, I mean, I know that during that time, God sees the heart of that man. God's going to satisfy the hope of that man. And and that means I'm going to be blessed. It means he's going to be blessed. It means we're going to be blessed. See, that is an amazing thing. I have on my desk, in fact, uh, I was just reading today uh, Uh, A card from one of our men who said it was my privilege last uh, week and he gave me the dates and said I started praying for you and and this is you know what I'm praying and and I I just wanted to jot you this note these men do this to to let you know that I was praying for you at that time what a joy that is to my heart what a tremendous blessing it is to our church because God sees our heart God satisfies the hope I wonder what would happen, you know, in the book of Joel, for instance, blow the trumpet in Zion, call a solemn assembly, sanctify a fast. I wonder what would happen if God just happened to look down these next 40 days in our church as we call the church to prayer and fasting and find hundreds of people at any given moment in concert fasting. He sees our heart. He satisfies our hope. My, what an amazing, stirring movement of God would take place! Did you know that already? God is just stirring, and I think as a result of this, just this simple practice of our men and, and maybe others who are who are praying and fasting. You know, I'm, we're seeing real spiritual stirring among our men. I mean, the very baptism that took place this evening, stirring up in the heart of. Of men. I talked to some, some guys, we were in the prayer chapel, just visiting a few moments before the worship service tonight. Obvious, God's just stirring in the heart of men. And so, God sees our heart. He satisfies our hope. And those are promises he makes to us when we fast. Well, all of this uh, would be rather fruitless, I suppose, if it was falling on the ears of people who don't intend to fast. You know, if you're saying, well, that's very interesting. That's just a part of the Christian life that I don't intend to participate in. Well, what I'm hoping you're seeing is this. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say unto you? Now, did Jesus ever say, you might try fasting. Did Jesus ever say, by the way, here's something out here that um, if all else fails, give it a whirl? Is this something where Jesus says, um, um, you know, if you've got nothing else to do man, you need to lose a few pounds, do this? No. Jesus says, um, that's just assumed you're going to fast. As a matter of fact, what I want to do is just sort of clarify it so that when you do it, you do it right. As a matter of fact, elsewhere in the scripture, it's amazing how Satan tries to rob you of these great truths. And some people, uh, you know, they get a hold of some kind of a translation that, that makes all kinds of excuses for this passage. It is in the best manuscripts, by the way. It's in the, the proper manuscripts. You know, where Jesus said about the a young man who was delivered of the demon. But this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, he was able to do that. You say, well, he was Jesus. Oh, yeah. But as Jesus, he'd been praying and fasting too. He was a prayer and a faster. You want to be like Jesus, do what he did? Well, then be a faster. He fasted. Did add... Second wind to what he was doing. Yeah, this kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. Oh, prayer and fasting. Okay. Oh, great. And so it would be. It would be. I'd have such an empty feeling if I was just speaking to people that were saying, "Well, throw throw fl- fasting up or throw fasting up here, brother Tom, and and we'll see if it sticks to the wall." Run right up on the flagpole and we'll see if we salute it here. No. No, no, no. My prayer is that in the heart of every person here this evening, there will be an embracing of this as a true, valid, spiritual discipline, which if you do not practice, will leave you somewhat less than you ought to be and can be for God. So, you know... When you see the word fast, don't think of Mahatma Gandhi. Think of Jesus. When you see the word fast, don't think of somebody who's, who's uh, fasting in honor of the ACLU and some program they're doing. Think of Jesus. When you, th- when you see the word fast, don't think of Tommy Lasorda in Slim Fast. Think of Jesus. Okay. Uh, because he fasted and I would pray that you would leave this place and we would all leave this place this evening having made some pretty deep commitments in regarding our own lives and regarding the practice of fasting okay uh, Larry White back here is our our uh, uh, Minister, our pastor of the deaf. And Larry was telling us this morning in our staff Bible study about a family he's been visiting and and just some terrible tragedies have occurred in the experience of this family. And the thought occurred to me, uh, Larry was saying, you know, we've taken them out to eat and uh, we've tried to minister to them. And they have so many questions, so many questions. And the thought occurred to me... um, I wonder what kind of spiritual discernment and insight God would give Larry or God would give these people's friends if they took time to pray and fast over their spiritual welfare, you see. And the same thing is true of all of us. We all have people for whom we're concerned, issues about which we're concerned. Well, let's, let's pray together. Father. As we pray here this evening, I I thank you for these who've come to worship you and to hear from your word. I ask you, Heavenly Father, just to give us discernment about the proper way of responding to what we have heard this evening. And, uh, Lord, I I just uh, pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will uh, somehow write across our hearts that fasting is an important part of the spiritual life. We we all say, well, reading the Bible is, or praying is, but but much of the time when you spoke of prayer, you also spoke of fasting. And Lord, may we see that as something which we could well employ as a spiritual tool for warfare. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. I ask you to keep your head bowed just for a moment. I don't know how you want to respond to this, but I, I do know this. I do not ever want to to end a worship service at First Southern without giving anyone here who would like to receive Christ an opportunity to make that decision. As I look around uh, this evening, I see that we're all, uh, we'll not have a piano or any music or anything like that. I I look around and I I think I recognize virtually everybody here. But sometimes, as in the case of uh, the one who was baptized tonight, you could be sitting here as a church member and you could say, Well, you know, what I need to do is to get saved. I really need to receive Christ. Trust Him as my Savior. If that's a prayer of your heart and you would like to make that decision, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down? Um, And I'll pray for you. It's just your way of saying, I'm not saved. I need to be saved. And Brother Tom, pray for me. Is there anyone here tonight who says, you know, I'm not a member of this church, but I need to be? Would you just raise your hand put it back down? All right. Now, how many of us would say tonight, by the uplifted hand, I believe in fasting. And by the grace of God, I'm going to ask him to to help me implement this as a discipline in my life. Would you raise your hand if you would say that this evening? Amen. Amen. And Father, how I pray, trusting that you would just bring about this commitment, the depth of it, in our hearts and our lives. You've seen our hands. You know our hearts. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.